So the Pharisees got to kill Jesus, and they accomplish this. They get the Romans involved, and they stir up the crowds. You know, at the Pontius Pilate thing, all these nice, good Jewish people are over there going, crucify him, crucify him. You know, religion can stir up crowds. Look at the resurrection at the Capitol. Mm. That's kind of really religious-based, you know, stirring up the crowd to stop consciousness or change or progress or whatever. It's the same old stuff. And, um, and people get caught up in it and become it. Um, and then, and uh, so they kill Jesus, and then there's, and this is probably one of the couple most important things I'll say here today besides the ownership and trust thing with critters Let and kids. Let me make sure it's still recording. Welcome back to part two of our interview with David Sleeper. Welcome to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. David and I recorded this episode at Building 98 in Marfa, Texas, where I met him. If you haven't checked out part one of the interview, I suggest you do so now. If you're returning for to listen to part two, welcome back. We have two more parts that will be released next week. David Sleeper is or was a mule trainer, dog whisperer, and a natural mystic of sorts. David and I discuss religion, spirituality, child rearing, from a non-fear-based perspective. David and I discuss the correlations between the way that we train our animals and the way that we as humans have been trained and how this ripples out into greater society. So without further ado, enjoy part two of this interview with David Sleeper. Where we left off was, you said this is the most important <clears throat> thing that you're about to yeah. say. <laughs> so I hope you remember it. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> so when the Pharisees, representing the Old Testament definition of deity, had to do that deity's work and stop consciousness and change that could threaten dogma and doctrine, they had to take care of Jesus. And they you know, used the Romans to do it, in a sense. And they got the crowds there to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And, and, and so there's all this hate below the cross of, of the Jewish religion, basically. And then, um, so then he dies and the, uh, you know, we just, we just know from the stories, we don't really know all the things that happened, that's for sure. You know, history is kind of written by the conquerors. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Um, I think the early Christians made two huge mistakes, and they, they almost kind of had to, but it was unfortunate. And the first mistake they did, instead of making, preserving the philosophies of Jesus and making evolving philosophy about Jesus' teachings, they made a religion. Dogma. And then the second mistake they did I think when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, and he's talking about his Father, he's talking about the Creator. He's not talking about this Old Testament definition of deity that he's the opposite of. That's why they killed him. Right. Yeah, that's why they killed him, because he wasn't like their deity. Mm. 
And so then these young Christ early Christians, they made a religion about Jesus, and then they brought in the Old Testament Jewish religion and the Old Testament definition of deity and made Jesus love your neighbors yourself and the eye for the eye guy one and the same. Right. Whoops. Well, you know why they did that? Is because, to stay alive. Yeah, exactly. They had to be like, well, no, we're, we're not new. Don't be afraid of us. Yeah. We, so we'll adopt your Don't pagan holidays us. and we'll say that we're a continued, we'll see in the Old Testament, Messiah, that's him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So don't get stoned. We're credible. Check our sources. Plus, they're all they're all raised in that Jewish tradition. How can they just discard it? Right. They got to make the new yeah, fit the in with the Christians old, and, were just Jews. and then all got that all got cemented and established, and that's why a lot of fundamentalism in any religion, including Christianity, is just a good, really good representative of separation to show us all what can happen when a religion doesn't evolve. And then you have prosperity preachers, you have scams. You know, people. Do religions evolve? <laughs> um, sure, but, but very slowly, and they also can devolve. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and I'm not, I, I'm not any authority to, to pronounce, and I wouldn't do it if I was an authority, but um, it's something to look at. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening then, like, t I just see scams everywhere. Right. You know, you look at our modern situation, all the... Bright lights? You're telling me that pretty colors and <laughs> candy and <laughs> all of that is a lie? Is it, a scam? If you buy this car, you'll get that good-looking girlfriend, or, you know, yeah. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'll be happy, right? Right. <laughs> and impress your friends. And at any rate, um, you know, there's... There should be some things that were obscene that would be obviously seen like billionaires. You know, how can it be acceptable for someone to have that much money and a bunch of people starving? Right. Or like a prosperity preacher that's got mansions and planes and and then he's begging people for their rent because God will pay you back seventy times more. Mm. And he's using pharaohs. He's hypnotizing that crowd. Yeah, yeah. And what it ends up creating. To, for big religion and big pharma and big government, all, all the different things that thrive on micromanaging um, the corruption, it needs gullible, unconscious people. Uh-oh. That's exactly what all that needs. Not my listeners, though. They're not gullible and unconscious. I'm not judging anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like It's not for me to really say... That someone is gullible, or oh, they're unconscious. Right. No, yeah. that wouldn't. That wouldn't. That's then. That's back to sort of judging, and that's then you're still in the separation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to tell you something. Um, this is a little example of, of how the separation or the oneness could work. Um, are you an artist? You're kind of artist, aren't I'm you? I'm an artist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's just pretend this is you. All right. You you are an artist. You got a husband. Um, What's his favorite sport? What would he, what could he get injured by? I don't know. What, what? running? Running? I don't okay. know. <laughs> Is he, that a sport? <laughs> he was out running, and um, he would often run too fast at night. It was kind of risky, and he ended up tripping over a black cat and almost broke his neck. And he's in the hospital, and all these hospital bills are happening. You guys got a house together, and you got a daughter. And uh, what's your daughter's name? Amelia. Amelia. Well, she's right here. <laughs> All right. I love that. A and A and three, ending in A and, and three syllables. That's a perfect go. name. 
I love that. Like you don't, I really love that. <laughs> My mom's name is Angela. Okay, good. So Another one. Just pass it down. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you got a mortgage. He can't work. You're an artist. There's a painting over the mantle that um, you would never sell. This guy in New York mm. said that if, if uh, you ever want to sell that boy, I'll buy it. Just let me know. Let me know. That's a beautiful painting. And you went, well, that was a real special time in my life, and I haven't been able to paint like that since. Mm -hmm. And it's a nice, you know, rural kind of nature situation, and, and it stays above the mantle. And you got paintings all over the house that are for sale. It's your business. And so what you have to do is sell this painting to the New York dude to keep the mortgage. And so you're very unhappy because you didn't ever want it, but now you, you know, kind of your husband ran, ran too fast and tripped over a cat and hurt himself. And so he's learning and it's kind of set you free to learn. What am I doing without him? How can I pull this off, et cetera? So you could be on the edge of, 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 of seeing this all as a tragedy or falling into it as well. And so you take the painting down and you're trying to crate it up. You're gonna, you've gotten the parts for the, the stuff to make a crate but you need some staples. So here's all the supplies just sitting there. There's the painting. And then you go off to the hardware store real quick so you can get this shipped off. And hopefully the guy will still pay the money when he sees it. And he says, if you get it to me, it's like I saw before, I will send you that check for that amount of money. Mm. And while you're gone, Amelia, she's been up painting like mom up in her bedroom. She comes bounding down and there's the forbidden painting on the floor. And she's so excited to see it up so close, you know, and she wants to be an artist like mom. And, and she says, boy, I wish I, I always wanted to put some little burrows, a burrow in here. So she looks around the kitchen, finds a magic marker, and she starts putting a little burrow in there. Mom will be so happy I'm, I'm helping her with her painting. And then another burrow, and then some buzzards, more clouds. She's really working this thing. She's having a great time. You come home with your staples. Now, are you going to see a tragedy in the separation, or are you going to see an opportunity in the oneness mm -hmm. to pass a test in mm -hmm. the school of hard knocks and not see it as tragedy? And then what will happen when we don't see things as tragedy? Oftentimes, the test will go away. We don't even have to go through it because we already passed it. Mm -hmm. And if we need more testing, then we have to go through the trial. Even like Jesus on the cross, you know, when that that according to the you know the the legends and the stories but at one point he said father why have you forsaken me right so he got pushed his his oneness was being challenged by all this hate and all this crazy stuff and and he's like moving into victimhood boy i'm a victim of what you've done or something mm -hmm. and then he snaps out of it and then father forgive them and then and then into my hands i commend my spirit and then there's the checkout frequency and he's out of here earlier than most crucifixions because he learned everything he could. Mm -hmm. Now it's gone. He didn't have to hang there for a whole day. That, those tests of dealing with what happens when you bring consciousness to a planet of separation, it's obvious from the very get-go they're going to kill you. There's no way they're going to let you go, oh, tell us more. Because mm -hmm. it's a religion. They don't evolve. Mm-hmm. He was a Jewish person, and, and he it could have been a whole different... He could have been their so-called Messiah or something. He could have been a, a spiritual teacher, but instead they had to kill him because mm. he was threatening. His conscience was threatening through that lack of consciousness. Mm. 
So at any rate, you come, you walk into the house. So let's say you chose the separation the first time around. You saw a tragedy. Oh my God. So you go over there and you tell the kid, you have no idea what you've done. We're gonna now lose the house. You know, daddy's sick and we got I got here to explain the situation, but you put this shame on the kid. Yeah. And then maybe send her her room. She's grounded till prom. I don't know what you did. You know, you do our normal. You have to be, you have to suffer because look what you, you, you did something without thinking you're a bad little girl. Right. And we could lose the house and it's all your fault. Right. Imagine putting that on a kid. And also, Jesus. later when that kid grows up and she misses a period and she wants to talk to mom about what happened here, yeah, you're the last person she's going to come to because right. she doesn't want to walk up to Godzilla and get her head bit off again. So that's the separation. So here's the oneness. Instead, you walk in, you see the situation. You take a deep breath, take yourself to your highest form. Got a test here in the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah. You know, husband's in the hospital. Kid just ruined my ticket out of here because I can get a lot of money for that painting. Mm. And um, who am I going to be in this test? So you come over and ignore the kid altogether. And you go over to the painting and you explain to the crime scene what the situation is, mm. but calmly. Yeah. Just explain why it was down, why you were going to, why this material is here, you're going to create it up, and what you were going to do. You just explain all that. And then you leave. If the kid's on your right, you don't even turn towards him. You turn, you never looked at the kid. Now you leave the room. Now the kid's still standing with a magic marker in their hand. Oh, in the first, when you're in the separation, you jerk that out of their hand. Right. You know, like we do. Steal from them. Mm. You are not to be trusted. Right. Um, and uh, so this time, she's still got the magic marker. And then she, you've left. You didn't give her instructions what to do, what not to do. But she's got information from the steward of consciousness in the oneness. And so she's not gonna go over there probably and make some more burrows. Mm. That wouldn't make any sense. Right. She's becoming conscious. She was trusted, she's becoming conscious, she, she was becoming trustworthy. You left her alone with this thing. You didn't suspect that she was gonna you know, do something horrible again. You didn't have to take something away from her and steal from her. And so she gets to process, who am I going to be, and what, what, what's happening here? How can I learn? Because you're not in her face, she can process. Same with the dog. When, when we're always in their face, no, no, they can't process. All they see is you're a nut. Mm -hmm. Same with kids. You, that, parents get weird. If you, I mean, I was just having a good time. I thought she'd be happy. She's a painter, I'm a painter. Look at now she's a nut, you know? Yeah. And now I don't even want, I don't want to be around her, I just, and I feel horrible about myself, et cetera, et cetera. So in this case, you've left, she's standing there, who am I going to be? After pause, you come in with repair material. And you bring in the, the paints and stuff to fix this, because you're going to try to fix it. And then you have this idea, since you're in the oneness, you get creative and go, um, just stand right there next to the painting with your magic marker, and you take a picture of it. Because you've got this idea now, because you've been staying out of the separation, this is going to be a story. You're going to, you're going to rise to your highest form. You're going to make, you're going to fix this painting and be better than ever. Right. You're going to send this picture to the guy in New York and say, "Here's what happened." Yeah. But here's what I made. And the guy in New York, you, you can just tell he's going to say, "Well, I'll sure give you that money for that. I'll give you more." Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, because you're in the oneness, you're aware of this is not, you know, tragedies don't just happen to us for no reason. 
they're tests in the school of hard knocks. Mm, so when something triggers me, it's a test of like, how am I going to react or respond to this? Am I going to just react unconsciously mm -hmm. or am I going to take a moment to pause, detach myself from the reactivity? Because there's definitely certain things that will trigger me more than other things. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their own mm -hmm. things that, you know, that trigger them in different ways, whether it's relationships, money, social status, even just, you know, when you're, something happens to your car or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. So if you can see that we're, it, it, instead of being here to do the will of some definition of deity, this is the paradox. The truth seems to be in the paradox. Instead of calling a dog, don't call. Their job is to watch you. Instead of trying to train them, work on yourself, have ownership and trust. The truth seems to be in the paradox. So instead of, you know, just being like God sent us to this culture and there was only one lifetime, and that's the other thing that happened back when they made a religion about Jesus at the same time they created hell. So they could do this whole Messiah thing. Mm -hmm. And what are we saved from? From the creator? From God? How could... Oh, because God conditionally judges and God gets angry and God needs obedience, doesn't need evolution, doesn't... I mean, it just... All that got cemented then, and reincarnation got thrown out the window. Only one lifetime, you either go to hell yeah. for eternity and suffer for eternity. It's kind of, it's kind of a long time. This is back when they thought the, the, the sun revolved around the earth, you know. Yeah. Um, they, they didn't know much as far as how the universe works. Well, but, they did, and then something happened where they, they either intentionally or unintentionally just like flipped the script yeah yeah you know, stopped evolving in the if you look at the history of the islamic religion in that culture they had incredible minds yeah until islam came along and said we don't evolve we don't do this stuff and it just shut shut it down so do we blame religions or, or do we blame anybody no we just um it's our free will and this is a this is a big test to come here because there is so much separation and so I think it's a real privilege to come here. Um, it, uh, you know, we're never, we're never volunteering for more than we can probably handle, but we're going to be testing ourselves. We may have three really rough lifetimes where we really bit off a lot. You know, maybe we're in darkest Africa for one, if they're all on the same planet. We're darkest Africa for one. Now we're Oriental for another one. Now we're a, we're a transgender person in the United States or who knows, you know, I mean, we're mm -hmm. having experiences. Now we're an atheist in, in Mongolia, et cetera, et cetera. We get to have all these experiences, different sexes, different races, different cultures, to gather experience. Each time we have a mission, and we choose our parents, I think, and we come in with these rough edges we want to polish this time. So if we want to learn more about anger, we come in with a rough edge of anger. Or impatience, we, we come in with some impatience. Or maybe we want to learn about codependency, we come in real needy. We choose some real needy parents. I can say, baby, baby, all the way when you're an adult. They're still saying, come here, baby, it's okay. That's like the, one of the worst things you can do to a dog and kid in my world. Mm. It cements their noodleness, their codependency, and their neediness. Mm. Like say if you got a dog that's afraid of lightning, and the lightning's going boom, boom, the thunder, and it's hiding a, in the corner and just trembling. If you go over there and say, it's okay, baby, you're cementing in my world, um, and I don't know nothing, but you're cementing that neediness that I can't handle. I need to be saved from outside myself, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't understand this. And now I'm a baby. 
oh, that feels good. I'm just, I'm just a helpless little baby. So when I get scared of something I don't understand, I need to find that refuge and be a little baby. Someone say, it's okay, it's okay. Comfort. Mm. So instead, just approach them with your back. Get about three feet away and, and just sit Indian style on the floor, cross-legged, and be like a tree and just bring it. I enjoy storms. It makes my world go around. Rain, mm. lightning, thunder. Bring it. And so you're over there enjoying every crack of thunder. All right. Now the dog has a choice to see themselves clearly. Hmm, who am I going to be? Ask that question. I have choices. I can stay over here and torture myself. I can see I'm doing that. Or I could get my butt off the ground and go over and hang out next to all this wonderful energy that's enjoying the storm. Mm. When the dog gets there, if you go, oh, no, no, baby, come here. Then it's back to, you know, the neediness and be my mommy and I'm your baby. Mm. Just let them join your energy. Be that steward of consciousness. Model the highest form you can enjoying the storm and the dog will self-rehabilitate or the child. How does one evolve their consciousness? That first step is to be able to think before we act, I think. To be able to have, so we're consciously choosing versus just ricocheting. Mm. Normally when we're horse trained, we're like the horse. We don't, we're allowing the, 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 um, the horse trainer to control us through the bit and think for us. When there's a fork in the road, the bit takes us the way to go. If we're supposed to go faster, the spurs tell us to go faster. If we're supposed to stop, the reins pull back and say, oh. So we just learn to pay attention to the orders. And so we're not really doing this stuff ourselves. And a horse is really, really different too. You have to understand like, if you kick up a, a burro and you scare a, a donkey and it's running from you, its head is going from one side to the other. I hate running from my problems, and as soon as I'm trying to get information, as soon as I can get information, turn around, deal with this threat, I'm going to deal with it, because I am not prey. Same thing with a mule, but not quite as much head movement. They're half horse, sterile hybrid, but they have hybrid intelligence, hybrid in everything. They can read your mind much better than their parents. Mm. A mule, you don't you don't see other things where you take two two species and, and breed them and make a third that's sterile hybrid. You don't see that with other, you can't cross a, a poodle and a coyote and get a sterile hybrid. Mm -hmm. So you have hybrid intelligence. That's when you partner with a mule. They know stuff and you know stuff when you come together as partners. It's incredible, like the smartest dog you ever met, but you get to ride them. Mm -hmm. But you go to horse train them, they're going to resist that. Hey, I'm not no prey animal. I'm anti-predator. I don't run from my problems like the horse without even looking back. So you kick up a deer, and the deer's going, boing, information, boing, information. Look, because it doesn't want to run over the ridge until it knows what it's dealing with. Because if you go over the hill, and know, then you're, what, what am I running from? I need information to survive. If you're an archer, and you've got your scent disguised even on the, on the arrows, and you're up in a tree, and a deer goes underneath, and you shoot an arrow in that deer, that deer runs over to the edge of the hill, it can't go over, it doesn't, and there's no scent. What happened to me? And it'll bleed out right there, and you can just wait a half hour or so and walk over to a dead deer. But if you and your tree are going, ah, you shot a deer, yay, I'm just amazing. The deer goes, ah, that's what I'm dealing with. Now it can go over the hill and avoid, and, and you're following a blood trail, a flashlight all night long, and you may or may not find it. 
it'd be a lot of work if you do hmm. because that deer now has information to make wise decisions it needs information whereas the horse when you kick up a horse it'll run right over the hill without even looking back now if you see the horse do look back that's the horse you want unless you want to do it for like um, dressage or uh, barrel racing if you want just a dumb jock then get the one that doesn't look back Mm -hmm. If you want one to just obey you, dressage. Let me control, 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 control. Mm -hmm. Then you don't want one that looks back. Mm -hmm. And and you'll have a hard time taking any other species and teaching. You know, you can't put a saddle on a moose and say, obey me. And the moose says, what? <laughs> mm. I'm not your prey. Mm. I'm not a prey animal. I have antlers. I, I don't I don't think and act that way. And I've got big ears. Yeah. But the horse is really unique, and so it's been a wonderful animal in so many ways, but then we, we just can't be, the way we train a horse can't be the way we train our dogs and our kids. Mm -hmm. That's the, and or I create our deities. Mm. So that's kind of how the, all this comes together. And I learned this from all that work with the mules. Mm -hmm. And um, I, got, I got to see it so clearly, and then so I shifted how I dealt with dogs and kids. And, um, it uh, it makes it so much easier. Just so much easier. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Just like a little kid when you when they're crawling around and you're not doing ownership, you're doing the no word and you're stealing from them. There we go. But instead, if you can use that sound, your hands, you're powering your hands using that sound, but you're not directing at the kid. You're just owning the object. And then what you do is um, you own it, you back up in trust, and then you leave so they can decide who am I going to be. And you always come in and bring in more of the same. And that's something I forgot about in that earlier story with, uh, with uh, Amelia. Mm -hmm. When you left the first time, um, when she's standing there with the magic marker and you've shown the, the grief to the crime scene and provide information, your first trip back is with all the magic markers you can find, anything that you could find to write on a painting with, you bring it back in and pile it up in front of that painting. If you kind of pile it up nice and neat, that's a way of getting ownership and getting their attention. Wow, you're doing, what are you doing with all those magic markers? Then you back up three feet, your hands come out, you're owning them, you make them a sound. Um, we're already Even horse, with your kid? We're already horse training and dog training kids. <laughs> so this is a much higher form. <laughs> that's funny. See? <laughs> So you own that whole pile, and then you leave. And now there they are with one in their hand, they got 20 more, who am I gonna be? See, the more you bring in to trust, and the more distance you have too, all this really amplifies your power to, because you don't, aren't putting fear and pressure and dictatorship into it, you're trusting. The more you trust, the more powerful the reaction will be in terms of paying attention to what you're trying to but see your focus is on stuff not on the kid or not on the dog mm -hmm. and um, so with dogs like say you come home and and um, your favorite running shoes run six pieces on the floor and you go what did my dog do this this is horrible no 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 and you take it away and steal from them like we always do and the dog is, oh, and the dog is going like well you don't own nothing you don't own this house you don't own the yard. You don't own the visitors. You don't own your anything. So I'm a, I'm a predator. 
if Nolan's being pack leader, I have to be pack leader. And all that alpha dog stuff, that's just horse training. That's not pack leader. So I still own everything. So when you leave and I'm bored, I'm going to be chewing up the garbage. I'll be chewing up your shoes because I own everything. Then you come home and get mad at me, but it's not ownership. It doesn't still make any sense. Next time you go, I'll chew the shoes again. So let's say a scenario where somebody has, like, if I were to have somebody come visit me. Okay, well, this is just a real scenario. Okay, so so <laughs> I, had, I had a bunch of Xanax, right? I used to have a Xanax prescription. Okay. And uh, my brother, somebody came to stay with me one time. And uh, I had them in a closet. And I never was like, don't go. Th I never said, don't go through my stuff. Mm -hmm. And he did anyway. Mm -hmm. And so... What about that type of scenario where you entrust somebody to come in and you think that you have ownership over your space and your things and then somebody comes in and takes from you anyway? It's tricky for sure because you're dealing with an adult that's been horse trained their whole life mm. and when they're violating your space, that's, they're not respecting it. And to get that respect, um, you really have to be able to do that ownership and trust, which is trickier than on an adult because, you know, they're not... They're already they're, trained. They're not a kid. They're not a puppy. They're, they're really... Um, and so the best example I can give of that, like, say, in a classroom, most teachers, some do, but a lot of teachers don't own their classroom because they're doing horse training. Mm. So when they step out the door... You know, the kids own it. Yeah, exactly. And they'll do whatever they <laughs> That's right. Try to do all the impulsive kid business they can do till you get back. And then they pretend like they're a good little angel. But, yeah. But uh, they've got seven spitballs waiting there to go the next time you turn your back. You right. Know? Um, they're trying to make fun out of a horse training situation. They're mm -hmm. trying to be creative. But when you actually know, own the classroom, because you own it and you trust. And then, the, then you're not there to save them or fix them or repair them. You're there to just set the example. It's your classroom. If they want to participate and learn things, that's why you're there. That's your mission. But um, if they want to be awful, you know, uh, uh, problems, etc. So, like, say, say uh, a kid steals a cell phone from a, a girl sitting next to him. You know, and you feel hear the squabble going on. What's what's happening there? He stole my cell phone. And you can just walk over and. Set your cell phone down there. Own it. Goats. Yep. <laughs> and back up and trust. And keep facing it. And then get about 15 feet away, do it again. And get up to the front of the class and do it again. And um, if, if it looked like a pretty hard case, then you could ask if you could borrow somebody else's phone. If you have phones in class or something. Uh -huh. Maybe you stole a purse, you get more purse. But put your billfold down if they stole a purse. Put your purse down if they... But add up. The more you trust them with, the more powerful all this is. But you're just looking at your stuff. You're not trying to fix or change them. Mm. And they like being trusted. It's amazing how this works. Yeah. Right. But now you got everybody's attention. Whoa. How did you... and, and then people who are volunteering their stuff, they're learning to trust, too, this thief. Mm. And the thief, real quickly, when I was 21, I was... Uh, helped start a volunteer probation officer program in South Dakota, and one of my clients, their mother called me and says, 
get over here. He's throwing dishes at me. And I get over there. It's a mobile home. And the, the kid, he's a pretty husky kid, 14 years old, you know, football player and stuff. And he's throwing plates and glasses at his mom who's underneath the table in this little mobile home kitchen. And um, he's just having a tantrum, see? And he's being very destructive. So I come in, and, and uh, he keeps throwing stuff at his mom, and he's expecting me to turn into a horse trainer. Stop it! Don't! You know, a cop or something like that, see? Mm-hmm. And um, I just say, wow, what's going on? And then so now that I've engaged him, he pulls out a knife and comes at me. And so I stay calm. And he's a pretty stout kid, um, but I was pretty wiry at 21. And uh, I wrestle the knife away from him. And now he's even more mad he's lost his knife. And I just take it, hand it back to him, handle first. He grabs it, comes at me again trying to kill me or hurt me or something. Mm. I do the same thing again. I did it three times and handed it back without judgment, without fear, without negativity. Um, it's like, this is what you want to do. Um, I'll play. Mm. And then he falls to the ground and just starts pounding the knife into the rolling floor. Boom, boom, boom. And then he finally stops and then he starts crying. And he just cries, and it's just horrible emotions coming out. Just yeah. horrible emotions. And then there's finally silence, and then he says, I'm the one that burnt down the high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that underlying certain behaviors, there's grief? There's the tantrum. There's the anger, there's the grief, there's all of those things involved because it's really, I think, just the failure of the horse training. People don't have that sense of self where they can see themselves clearly and then see their reality clearly and make wise decisions based on what's for the highest good versus making impulsive non-decisions, just ricocheting around. Mm-hmm. And see, when we're horse trained, we're so vulnerable to our peers. If our peers are conscious, well, then we are. If our peers are not very conscious, then we are, we just become our peer group. Yeah. Because we don't have that sense of self. So yeah. we drink whatever Kool-Aid's around. I heard that we become like the top five people that we hang out with the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, let's be careful. So, I mean, he didn't tell me, like, don't tell anybody. And I never did tell any authority figures. Yeah. I didn't squeal on him. In, in because I trusted him with the knife. I trusted him with my life. That trust broke, broke him all down. Mm-hmm. And then he trusted me with his deep secret that's driving him nuts because he's looking over his shoulder all the time. It had been like six months. And yeah, still he's carrying that around. And all these people are trying to investigate who did this, who did this, who did this. Yeah. And that all built up to his mom tried to tell him to do something and he just went nuts. And it's also... Don't you treat me like a horse is what he's basically saying. I'm not your prey. Bang, bang, bang. Be my prey. Mm. You know? It's also complex, though, because, like, if I'm in a relationship with somebody who's regularly, who I'm allowing to regularly, like, betray my trust, it's also not my responsibility to keep taking it until they, uh right, until they've, like, come clean with whatever it is that's truly troubling them, because I also have to 
protect myself as an adult and recognize that it's not my role to try to unbreak somebody. Right. So this may be a story for another day if I'm still around, uh, if you're interested, but uh, I went up against the Mexican mafia. I ranched on the river for 25 years and Pablo Costa, the mafia guy was, there's books in town called Drug Lord about him. Mm -hmm. He tried to buy the ranch across the river from me, Rancho Picachos, and I bought it out from underneath him and that started the eight year mafia wars. And over that time they invaded five times and took possession. Mafia has possession, which is a big thing in Mexico if you have possession. And five times we got them off, three times in Mexican courts. And um, the county sheriff here, Rick Thompson, and his hitman, Robert Chambers, was helping them. And so I was in mortal danger of the mafia and the local sheriff here um, for eight years. And uh, we won three court cases, and there's no way you can win against the mafia in Mexico. Your own lawyer can't help you all the way. You can just pretend to. Right. His daughter could lose her eyeballs on the way to school. Mm -hmm. But it was, to me, it was all a test in my own you know, this is happening, so let's learn everything we can from it. So I didn't treat these people as enemies, even though they're wanting to, I'm in their way. Mm -hmm. And um, it got pretty intense. The Border Patrol helped me with a plane the first time they invaded, and then word came down from Washington after the, the sheriff investigated, and that the, the agents told me something big's gonna happen at Fresno Ranch. Um, I, we're told we can't go there for any reason uh, we can't land a plane. I had an airstrip for them, a chopper landing pad, and they'd bring come vehicles in there. And they would fly me into Mexico to show mafia camps. Not legal, but we would do it. And um, they said, watch your back. You're in the way of commerce. Mm. So I get a hold of the FBI, and the FBI says, we would love to help you. But that sheriff is as crooked as they come, and we know that. We would actually lose our jobs if we tried to take him down. What you have to understand is you're not just fighting the sheriff and his hitman chambers and the mafia. This goes high up in the Mexican government, high right. up in the American government. Right. And only way we can help you is to run out of there because you're not, there's no way you can survive. You know, mm -hmm. turn tail and run. Right. We would lose our job if we tried to bring the sheriff down. So that's a whole long story, but in there is these elements of Learning to not, when someone is your enemy, even like in this case, I'm in mortal danger. It's like a war. And they have all these crooked federales, and they, five times they invaded, and five times we got them off. And my people are still there, and the sheriff finally went to jail for $100 million, high-grade cocaine, supposedly lifetime with no parole. Nobody went down but him and his hitman, and he's out in 20 years. I, he was just in town a couple of days ago. Uh -oh. Crime does pay. And... <sighs> Everybody thinks he really went to jail around here, but I kind of know better. Yeah, for real. He, he had millions of dollars stashed down in Belize, and nobody else in this long chain. They just, too many people knew that he was crooked, and so they had to take him down as an example. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's being taken down by his own buddies. Yeah. I was telling all the rest of the mafia people all the way through, don't do what Thompson did, keep your head low. Mm -hmm. Thompson bought up a whole bunch of this town, then Donald Judd bought it from him because mm -hmm. he had all this extra money mm. besides what he was putting in Belize and other places. Mm. So the, the scams are deep. Yeah. And what they want is gullible people that don't have consciousness. That makes all this work. 
So this world will never be perfect. Who knows? It's, it's a work in progress. I mean, we may really make it in, inhabitable, uninhabitable here yeah. for most humans. And then the planet over time, she's pretty resilient. You know, she'll come back. Mm. And this might not be our first rodeo. Mm-hmm. And it might not be our last. Mm-hmm. Um, impulsive, unconscious, gullible humans could destroy her many times over geologic time. How does a human being come to know their purpose? Okay. Look at your parents. Why would you choose them? Look at your rough edges that you came in with. If you've been afraid of snakes your whole life, you better go find a pet snake and get used to them, you know? I mean, that's mm-hmm. those are, that's a kind of a funny way of looking at it. But if whatever your rough edges are, normally those are our fears. We stay away from those things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, uh, hey, would you, you know, this COVID's coming. Here's some vitamins you could take. Oh, I don't do vitamins. I don't like swallowing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah, that's, that's hilarious. So that's a weakness. I can't swallow something. Well, maybe that's the place to start. Mm. So we're, we're seeing our mission by through our weaknesses. And look at the events in our life. Like, say... We keep hooking up, if we're a gal, we keep hooking up with the same kind of guy mm-hmm. over and over again. But we're stuck in that class mm-hmm. because there's some weakness there that we're not mastering. Probably with codependency and needy or needing the bad guy or whatever. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Needing to be rescued, all those things. But just lesson after lesson. Hello, there the, there's your there's your mission. Yeah. There's There's the identification of the class you're in. So whatever the difficulties are, wherever it is that we feel fear, those are actually arrows pointing us in a direction towards our own growth. Yeah. It's all a chance for self-reflection to see the separation clearly, how it's affected us, see our mission clearly, see what class we're in, identify what our challenges are, just like in school, you know, and maybe make a note. Here are my challenges in the class I'm in. Mm-hmm. Like I was in, I was in, let's fight the mafia in the sheriff class. <laughs> okay, how do I live through this? Right. This doesn't look good. Much less, how do I win? Mm. You know, we came out. My people are still there. I'm still alive. Not as a real border. It's not any fun down there. Yeah. Um, the whole world changed with that after 9-11. Um, and now there's all kinds of not trust. Before, there's a lot of trust going on. Mm-hmm. Now it's... Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's really helpful. Now, if religions were to help us with that and go, hey, this is the school of hard knocks. You're in classes. And you've got weaknesses you brought in that you could master this time. And there's more than one lifetime. And this time you're this sex and this culture and this environment... Because you wanted to learn from it. So go learn from it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's not easy here at all. Yeah. No. No. But that's because... <laughs> and so it, in, in the universe, we need places like this. Where it really is a, a school of hard, 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 hard knocks. Yeah. It's hard to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just depends how far into... Our, our own self-destruction 
you know, if our religions are self-destructive, we'll, we'll, we'll destroy the planet. It's just like a given. Mm. If our religions don't evolve, then we can't evolve enough to save ourselves from our, our silly mistakes because we're not learning, we're not thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing about the, that's hard for the billionaire or the, the rich man to go through the, the eye of the needle thing, you know, yeah. to go to the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same. when you have all that money and all that power and not balance with love and humility, it's really hard to become self-realized. Yeah. Yeah, in the book of Ecclesiastes. So this season, not sort of separate from what we're doing here, I've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, which is my favorite book of wisdom in the Bible currently, more than Proverbs. And, you know, that's where we hear over and over, like, there's nothing new under the sun. And in Ecclesiastes 6, it was talking about how, you know, it's better for, you know, it's better to be a stillborn child than to be a wealthy man like who essentially has not love is kind of the takeaway of that is that you know what's the point of having all of these things but if I don't have mm-hmm. that internal mm-hmm. contentment then you know I could gain the world and lose my soul mm-hmm. so to speak you know so that reminds me of something I should share here um, this concept um, that like Jesus talked about, when two or more are gathered in my name, there I am also. Mm-hmm. The way I see that, there's aspect of the Creator within all of us. When we join hands or circle up in fellowship, then your one plus one is greater than three. I mean, you're 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 yeah. multiplying the energies, right? The creative force. You're you're multiplying the divine power, but it's so important that that be balanced with love and humility. Because our free will is really running the show, and so if we're not balanced, now we have corrupted power. Yeah. And this is what you see in religions all over the place, because they get together in fellowship, and their leaders are already doing corrupted power. Yeah. Love and humility is not, it's, it's ego, 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 ego. Yeah. So then they gather people together, and they all sort of devolve to that same place, but they've got divine power while they're doing it. Yeah. Because they brought this creative energy together, they've got their intent, and now... And then what they decide, and then they call on God, and God shows up in any religion. When you call, it doesn't matter if you're in religion or not. You call on the divine, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up. But the reason it's there is to help you see yourself clearly. But when you feel that presence, and your power is corrupted, and the love and humility is not there, then we certainly have the ability then to think that, oh, then all these dogmas and doctrines... Everything this preacher or this pope or this iman or this cleric or this rabbi says must be true because God is here. Mm-hmm. And we're feeling this energy. Yeah. And I'm just saying, yeah, there's more to it than that. Yeah. It's like re- it reifies is the word. Uh, it like reifies that same, like whatever it is that we're talking about. If I'm hanging out with somebody who's talking shit about other people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, fuck that person, you know? then it is like a corrupt version of that co-creation, right? So it's like we have this like divine creative capacity within us. And so am I creating more harmony into the world or am I bringing harm by gossip or by, um, I mean, let's just say gossip, you know, because it's so pervasive to be able to like, prop myself up by talking shit about somebody else and then to have that validated by somebody co-signing on my bullshit you know and so that's why it's really important i believe to have some type of 
spiritual practice to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, like you call it a higher power, you can call it whatever it is that you want, but so that I'm not just believing every thought that comes to my mind and then having somebody else co-sign on my already corrupt thinking. So my suggestion to folks that are wanting to seek and and understand more is really make contact with that aspect of the creator within them, their soul. Mm. And, um, you know, that slice, that unique slice that's experiencing creation lifetime after lifetime, that same unique slice, doing all these different experiences, but having those attributes that, that go with that unique slice. Um, you know, the slice that was Leonardo da Vinci. Imagine, that's an inventive slice, see? Just imagine all the lifetimes that you got to play with. The creator got to be that slice. Mm-hmm. And, and how many times that was a feminine slice, et cetera, et cetera. You know? mm-hmm. um, so if you see it in that sense that we are a treasure, we are a unique slice. And if, if, we're, if we have a lot of, we're all a work in progress, but some of us, if we have a lot of work to do, that's like even a bigger challenge. That's like, mm-hmm. that slice is even more precious. Almost. That's kind of a weird way to look at it, but the slices that have it pretty easy. Yeah. You know, maybe that's not the, um, uh, you know, it's all part of everything. So mm-hmm. we, we can't judge a Saddam Hussein, uh, for example, because could we judge that if we were born into his situation, if we chose those parents, chose that culture, chose that wealth he was born into, and went down that path that we could do any better. Can we judge Donald Trump? No. Can we judge Joe Biden? No. Can I judge you? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Can I judge myself? You can do whatever you want. But there's there's no commands ring. The problem with judging is then we feel move into the us and them or the separation. Mm. That they don't have that same aspect of the creator. Their soul is different than our soul. Their, their soul is on a, on a bad deal or whatever. Like for Trump, for example, that could even be a situation there where they're, instead of like, sometimes there's just opportunities. Instead of having, creating your own assignment, the upstairs manager might say, you know, the, worth, the planet Earth there is having little trouble here we really need somebody we've got this all set up the the dude's going to be called donald trump he's going to be born into the blah 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 and he's going to he's going to show the whole world how not to be (laughs) which one of you evolved people here would like to volunteer the spirits to have this take this on and and here's some of the characteristics you're we're going to we're going to set this one up for you who who wants to volunteer to show the whole world how not to be Mm. So in a way... You never know what's happening. In a way, we're all chosen. Yeah. There's nobody... Everyone's welcome in God's, what we call God's heaven. Mm-hmm. There's, and the only things that happen that why people don't get there is when they choose not to because the free wills weren't on the show. So if you go to, start going to the light when you die and you're afraid of being judged by some Old Testament deity because you've had some poor choices in your past or something then you're liable uh, that fear is liable to you take your free will then and choose not to go now you're a disincarnate entity and they're everywhere because religion creates all this fear of god Mm. and this whole thing of jesus having to save us from god 
is also very much involved in that fear. Mm. Am I good enough to be saved by Jesus? Blah, blah, blah. Did mm. I go to church enough? Did I have the right religion? Did I, did I repent enough, etc.? so that God wouldn't get me and send me to hell because there's only one lifetime, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. there's so many contradictions in the Ju Judeo-Christian religion, which is that we hear it's, you know, it's not by works that we are saved. Like, God doesn't desire a sacrifice. And that all I have to do is just believe, right? Like to believe in the Son of God, if you will, to believe in. Actually, no. You could you could certainly incarnate. Your mission is to is to have the atheist experience. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no. There's no. It's what what you're setting up. What experiences you want, and the divine comes help you have that atheist experience. Mm. Maybe you came in and wanted to. See what it's like to get deep into black magic or, or Satan things or something. You Satan worship, like like Satan's a real thing. Uh oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, it's all part of it. Yeah. Then when you get through with that and you're doing a life review and you're aware of who you really are and all your other lifetimes, you bagged another experience in this planet of separation. Those those things wouldn't exist on a more evolved place. I had. A you wouldn't have that fruit to eat on a more evolved place. I had a friend that he was asking me like, why would somebody want to work with work in the underworld? Cause I was telling him about this Egyptian book of the dead that I was studying and you know, the myth of Osiris going into the underworld. And he's like, why would you even want to dabble with that? And then I looked at his birth chart. And all his planets were above the horizon. He didn't have any planets in the underworld. Uh -huh. And I'm like, well, now I know why you think uh -huh. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think anytime we start judging God or others or ourselves, we're in the separation mm. of the un not understanding how that the perfection of it all. Mm. You know that that the Creator is experiencing creation through life forms. And if everything was perfect, then there wouldn't be much of a challenge. And on this planet, there's a lot of things that are perfectly imperfect. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, you know, one of the, you know, in terms of like alchemy, right, is like turning the lead into gold. And then supposedly the final realization is that everything was gold to begin with, <laughs> right? But we have to go through that process of the realization and learning and Maybe some people are here to not learn. And that's where it comes to, like, it's not really my place to judge or to save anybody or to mm -hmm. even, it's really none of my business where somebody's at and what it is that they believe. We already know, like, as adults, like, you're not going to convince me to believe anything. The best that I can do is live an example, be mm -hmm. my best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And if that helps somebody, that's awesome. You got it. Yeah. You really got it. Yeah. You really got it. Yeah. Let me say something about the dog thing again. Okay. So, like, when the way you get ownership of your house, like, say, you could take um, something that normally the dog wouldn't get, like smoked salmon. You don't want to use the dog food to do ownership. That's, that's theirs. And when you do feed them, you give them a word that means now this is yours. Mm -hmm. And if they don't hear the word, then it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. I use comida, but, um, and they, they love that because they don't have to worry about begging or and begging don't work anyway because you're not going to do that. But um, it's just really, you're like preparing their food and, and mixing some superfood or something in it. 
and then you set it on the ground and you back up 10 feet and you say, say their name and say, comida, just real call. You don't go, look what I got for you. Make food important. Food becomes the least important thing in their life if we don't make it real important. Mm -hmm. Learning becomes important. So when you enter the house, when you've been gone, the first thing you do when you walk in is greet the dogs and the kids and go, hey, how's it going? Go, get all this chaos. Mm -hmm. Well, then they own the place mm -hmm. in my world. So instead you come in and you inspect your den like a real wolf. A wolf's been gone, you come home, what happened to my den while I'm gone? But you're not like a, searching around like a sheriff or a warden. You're in your highest form, just walking around modeling consciousness, modeling nob nobility and majesty. You're in the oneness. What happened to my den while I'm gone? You're not looking for trouble. You're just observing. Now the dogs and kids are following you and modeling after you, instead of modeling after them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now you have ownership, because when, when they know that you're going to inspect the den when you come home, that changes everything. When you come home and greet them and go crazy, and you're not inspecting, then you have no ownership. And so you're walking around in your highest form, and they're following you, and when you, when you inspect your den and nothing happened, or if something did, I'll show how that works, then you, you can... When you finish that, and they're kind of like, they've gotten dignified like you are, then you can notice they exist, but if you, if you go to them, you're back to pack member. Retreat, let them come to you. Sit down, let them come to you. I have a question. Mm -hmm. In my bathroom, there's a rug. Mm -hmm. And last night, there were a bunch of ants on the rug. Mm -hmm. How do I deal with that situation? If I were to not want to kill all the ants what do i do when they're already in my house mm -hmm. what do i do okay this is tricky but it works so you want ownership mm -hmm. and you want trust mm -hmm. and you want to communicate with them and so you take yourself to your highest form and say here's the deal and and try to get angels involved and divas or whatever you, you know <laughs> um all creators have their aspects of, of divine help, you know. Right. And um, make contact with all that. So you're making contact with your higher self. And just say, here's the deal. Your place is, your home is outside. I won't bother you out there. Yeah. This is my home. And you really need to respect it. Because I, I have, you know, crumbs and scraps. And you guys could get really, you could kind of move into my space. And then I'd have to, put soapy water on you, I'd have to fight you, or I'd do, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Let's all take this to the highest form. You respect my space, and I'll respect yours. Mm -hmm. And let's, let's coexist. But you exist outside, I'm going to exist inside. Now, I'm going to give you a job. If I get negative, then your job is to show up and say, there's negativity, we're here to show you that. And then you change that negativity and we'll leave again. I've had really good success with that, but it's it's okay. not easy. It's yeah. tricky. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to talk to them, but then they were biting me. So I just yeah. I vacuumed them. Right. And then they <laughs> <laughs> Of course. And then <clears throat> they came back this morning, not as many and then I taped up, you know, the side where they where mm -hmm. they were coming through. And then there were still some this morning. You know, and I don't ever eat in there, 
but I, I used sunflower oil to moisturize, and so I think some was on the floor, and that's what they were going after. Because they weren't even going after the dog mm-hmm. food, you know? Oh, wow. Not yet, so, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe they're helping me, but also, like, there were a bunch of them last night, and so I want yeah. them to know. Some of my listeners are probably like, okay. But they already know that I talk to trees and stuff, so <laughs> <laughs> they already know I'm, like, out there. So I'm like, you know, it'd be like, yeah, like, I don't want to have to kill you, but also, like... Ownership and trust, and then give them a mission. Give them something to do. Ooh, that's I'll good. Tell yeah. a quick story on that. So, at Fresno Ranch, I had um, just pissant city. I mean, they, there's so many cracks in the cement floor, and it was just full. I mean, that's that was their home. Mm-hmm. It was just a battle for, you know, and like say someone would show up, and I'm not dressed, and I throw my pants on, and I'm running out there, and those little boogers seemed like they would count to three. You guys ready? They're, they're all in my pants, but I don't know it yet. Yeah. On three, get him. One, two. And now I'm, ah! Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. i got to get my pants off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it was a real war, you know, and then using soaping water, anything, you know, um, essential oils, it, losing. You wake up in the morning and the stove has a red fuzz on it. Wow. Um, and uh, so I had to they'll see them as okay i have to change me i have a problem i gotta change me so i went down that road and i gave them that job and then i went through i had a marriage seven wonderful years and then she had an extreme personality change she not only became not a healer but cussing and drinking and and just a it was a really bizarre thing but that was that helped me learn not to judge people because I went through the mill with that and, mm-hmm. and how to love somebody who doesn't, is not interested. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then how not to try to fix or repair them, just to, um, be of service if they need you, but um, you can't go beyond that when they're wanting to fight, you know? Yeah. So at any rate, this was going on for a while, and then she came home one time, and she actually... Um, spent the night in my bed or tried to and um but we're not being intimate just a place to stay you know just like an old friend we're trying and these harvester ants which have never come in the house before there's armies of them pouring into the house and she knew from the ant thing and she says oh they're here because of me aren't they like i don't know know." (laughs) but yeah she knew they were here Mm -hmm. to tell us that there was negativity here Mm-hmm. And she knew it was her. So that's pretty interesting. And so she went and stayed somewhere in the bunkhouse, and the answers all left. Hmm. So anyway, there's kind of an answer, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see them as negative. Like, mm-hmm. when I got the impression that they were there, I saw it as the word abundance came to mind, you know? Um, like, in terms of how they work together and mm-hmm. how are there so many. Like, I thought of, like, the word community. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so there was that aspect, but it also was like, all right, so. Yeah, it's also all lady energy. The, the, the boys just breed the queen. They're just little studs. They don't do nothing else. They're worthless. Mm-hmm. So they're all females? All females, like workers? mosquitoes. Only mosquitoes suck your blood. Mm-hmm. The ladies, for the Uh-oh. blood helps them make babies. The male mosquitoes suck plant juice. Mm, okay. The bees, that's all ladies. Yes, we love the bees. You know, that's all lady action. Yeah. And when you know that, really helps in relating to them. Mm-hmm. That that's that makes sense. Women about their business. Yeah. And so same with the ants. They're they're not coming to be hostile. Right. And even when they bite you, 
it's a territorial thing. Yeah. They're trying to expand their territory for their babies and their whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then when you own the territory versus going to war. So same with humans. I mean, if we're having disagreements with somebody and we did ownership and trust, that means if we, we had to go fight them for some reason to defend ourselves or something and people died, that we're right over there going, we are so sorry that some of your soldiers died and some of ours did too. This is, what we've got ourselves into here is really horrible. There's mm-hmm. nobody winning this. Mm-hmm. Um, we will defend ourselves because we have ownership here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't do it with anger or malice. We don't wish you any harm. Mm-hmm. That's not how we do it. Mm-hmm. Enemy. Yeah. We're better than us and them. That's, that's what religions brought us, us and them world. Because God only loves those that believe the right definition of deity and all the right dogmas and doctrines. And God can't love the rest of them. They're all going to hell anyway. Mm. That venture of hell and venture of one lifetime and the venture of needing to be saved from God really mess things up. So there's two ways of looking at that. One is that even Jesus himself wasn't powerful enough in his oneness to change that separation. Yeah. They gobbled him right up anyway. Yeah, exactly. Or to have such a primitive planet is useful. There's a use for all this. Yeah. And when Jesus comes and we see that even he couldn't change that, the change really has to happen here within each of us. Within, yeah. And um, and it's we 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 keep thinking all the time that it's God's plan or it's Satan's agenda or whatever. But no, it's really us. We're coming into having these experiences. We're making choices that we then live with for the next lifetime and the next lifetime and the next lifetime. If we have anybody to hold accountable, it's us. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the the Creator is learning through our choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just like we can just sort of destroy our lifetime, we can destroy a planet. Mm-hmm. Our free will is running the show, not some overall God plan where the good kids, like the Santa Claus story, the, the good boys and girls get presents and the bad ones don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how things get established when we're not evolving. Just like the Santa Claus story. You know, some guy named St. Nick was doing some stuff. And then now he's this guy in a red suit that's obese. That represents no consciousness. And he has a, he's magic. He's got a flying reindeer. And just to come to Marfa, he'd have to resupply 50 times probably, go back to the North Pole to do all the presents here mm-hmm. of 2,000 people. Yeah. And so that'd be a pretty busy night just for one little town. But yet he goes all over the whole world in one night and delivers presents and goes down chimneys and he wouldn't fit in one of them. But see, logic and reason go out the window and we still teach this to kids because it's about obedience. If you obey, Santa Claus brings you presents. Mm -hmm. And so we create all sorts of boogeymen. Religions create boogeymen. If you don't obey, God's going to get you. Right. And then when they created hell in only one lifetime, then the whole concept of Jesus saving us from God and that kept those early disciples alive. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like it comes out to external validation, seeking approval from others, mm-hmm. trying to measure up. And then, as you say, 
you know, getting rewarded for that because I'm fitting within like a standard or like an expectation Conformity. from other people. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it takes a lot of work to be able to find that within mm -hmm, because you still come up against like society's expectations. So whatever group you join, whether it's a religion or not, and you don't have that good sense of self, then you're basically, we're, we're, we're drinking that Kool-Aid um, because we are needy and we're codependent and we're addicted. We were horse trained. We're looking to get our fix and our neediness taken care of uh, and we want acceptance. And then because we are horse trained too, we're kind of rebellious. So it's easy to become very rebellious Yeah. and join up with fellowship with somebody and, and devolve with them or evolve, whatever, mm -hmm. um, because we are standing up to our horse trainers, et cetera, et cetera. It gets, mm. gets kind of. So back to this dog story real quick. So when you're doing your search through the house and um, the dogs or kids are following you, and if you find a crime, then it's that thing where you just show grief at the crime scene, don't even look at the kids or dogs, and then turn and leave away from them. And you didn't say what to do or not do. And then they get to ask, hmm, who are we going to be? Because she didn't say not to chew on her shoes again or write on the wall, whatever it is. But we know that would bring her some grief. And she explained to the crime scene what's going on here. And that's just so important. That's how morality is imprinted. And then they become, and you're being trusted because you didn't tell them how to be. So they figured out, they solved the puzzle, they own this whole puzzle solving process. If I do that, that happens to somebody I might care about. So compassion and caring be kind of come, and consciousness, trustworthiness, and next thing you know, they have their own morality. I wouldn't do that because it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. Versus, I wouldn't do that because I could get in trouble with God or a parent or the teacher. And so when, the, when God or the parent or the teacher are around, I won't do it. But when they're not, right. you know, all, it's in, all, there's no rules. Right, right. And so that's all normalized. Mm -hmm. So then you leave, then you come back and always more of the same. The dog chewed up shoes, you bring in six pairs of shoes. Stack them up nice and neat, put the chewed pieces on the top, back up three feet, get your hands out. You're, do, you're not looking at the dog, you could care less about the dog or the kid, whatever's happening. You're, you're, you're showing all this frequency of ownership, you're trying to create in your highest form of pharaoh or whatever it's called, mm -hmm. of ownership. And, um, and you can use that his sound, it's just fine. But it's directed towards your stuff. And then you turn and, and walk away, maybe 15 feet away, you do the whole thing again, and then leave. And you've just really owned all that and you've trusted. Now you leave that pile there for three days, every time that dog walks by, I'm being trusted with all of her stuff. Um, this is, I'm kind of something. Mm -hmm. I am trusted, I'm being trusted with all her stuff. Mm -hmm. The same with a little kid crawling around the rug. They learn they're being trusted with all these, you don't have to dog proof or kid proof a house. Uh oh. Well, what's that like? And then so when there's the hot stove like you mentioned, you, the three words I use for them is hello, where it means I own whatever I'm saying hello to, careful, and thank you. Not good kid or good doggy. That's still like judgment. It's like bad doggy in reverse, yeah. you know? Oh, good doggy, good baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Got a nice frequency. Mm. 
but you let them earn it. Don't do it too quick. So it really means something. Mm-hmm. And we overdo things, like the no word beca- it doesn't mean nothing, because no, you can't go through the door. Okay, now you can. And then, no, you can't eat the chickens, but next Tuesday when you're gone, the chickens are all dead. Yeah. Because you taught the kid or the dog, no, is very temporary. It's overused, it's temporary, it doesn't really mean anything. Mm. What you just have to watch out for is the Godzilla effect with the parent. Mm. If something turns them into Godzilla, you get your head bit off. Mm-hmm. And you really won't understand why, because they just, they're, it's schizophrenic making. It's, it's just, nothing makes sense. And it starts with awareness. And they're always stealing from kids. So we're always stealing from dogs and kids. No, and take away. We're, we're creating juvenile delinquents. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then to say someone knocks on your door and the dog goes over, woof, woof. Now when the dog owns everything, because you're doing standard dog training, then the dog owns the den, owns the yard, owns the intruder, owns the UPS man, whatever. <laughs> See? And then you're yelling at the dog, cool it, and the dog's going, you shut up right now. I can't put up with your alpha dog stuff at this moment because I own this place and I have an intruder. Mm-hmm. And now you're bothering me. You're messing me up. Mm-hmm. And then people have this battle with them. Get back, get back. And they put them on a leash or try to restrain them or put them in a crater because they can't control them. Well, the dog is just going, it's my den, my intruder. And I never joined a real pack, so I have no idea how to be a pack leader. I just inherited this job, so I'm a schizophrenic pack leader. Mm-hmm. I'm the combination of all your schizophrenic dog training and then my ability as a prey to become pack leader, but not never having an example of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm a very dysfunctional pack leader, but I have an intruder, so leave me alone. Mm-hmm. So instead, when you own everything, all you got to do is walk over there and go, hello. That means you own the intruder. And then you got your hands out so you can own the space. If it was early on this, you could throw the little sack of jerky or something out and back up. The dog goes, oh, that's right, you own everything. Mm. And then it will, it'll, and you can say as it, as it pulls back, because now it's moving into pack member alerting pack leader that your den has an intruder. It's no longer the dog's den. Now the dog is behind you going, I'm right here if you need me, I got your back. And this is natural. This is where the dog wants to be as pack member, not out there attacking an intruder. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be doing that. Yeah. So then just like that, that whole dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. And so it gets really easy to raise a conscious dog if we change ourselves mm-hmm. and do the exact opposite. And so... Just like that not calling. It's the dog's job to be in your mind, you know, when you're thinking about leaving. What an idea. Same with the kids. Mm. Don't call the kids. Their job to be telepathically in your mind. To know, and it's your job to be such a good steward of consciousness that they want to go with you. Because you are really opening them up to this evolving world. Mm-hmm. Very interesting um, perspective. Yeah. The truths in the paradox. Uh-huh. So I'll leave you, maybe this could be the last thing with this thought. I call it stop it. S-T-O-P-I-T. It's not a command. Okay. <laughs> it's just a seed thought. But um, when we're about to do something impulsively that we were horse trained to do, you know, like say the word no or call a dog or or stuff like that, take away from the dog or kid, steal from them. 
S-T-O-P-I-T. S-T stands for stop and think. Now we're, now we're on the road. Mm. We caught ourselves, and we're stopping to think. Whew. Now that already we're shifting the frequency. We're shifting the whole dynamics because when we're not thinking, then we're passing that on to the kids and the dogs or the significant others, etc. We just keep perpetuating the separation. Now we broke the separation for a little bit. So stop and think, and now OP, observe the paradox. I just turn around from where you were headed mm. and look, what's the paradox to what I was going to do? Mm. I was going to call the kids. What's the opposite? Don't call them. Mm-hmm. Just leave, for example. I was going to give the dog a treat. What's the opposite? Use food as a way of ownership mm. and don't bribe them. Things like that. Truths mm-hmm. in the paradox. So observe the paradox. Okay, now you have your conditioning thing on one end, your automatic response, your ricochet. And on the other end, you have this consciousness of the paradox. Whoa. And there's a space between. Now take the space between. So it's S-T-O-P, stop and think, observe the paradox, and now intuit. So get it in the space between these things. Space between is a good place to be. Mm-hmm. And now intuit. What other things could I do with this dog or this kid? Mm-hmm. And let that just be a vortex of information. Just kind of spin around, imagine yourself spinning around with all these ideas, just a real creative, like you're being the creator. You're experiencing creation. You are creating all these different ideas you could do besides that impulsive, non-thinking one. Mm-hmm. And let it be a vortex that just takes you on up. And now you're above the situation. There's the, the impulsive ricochet stuff. There's the paradox. And you're standing on this vortex of all these other ideas. Now at this point, the next thing is so it's ST, stop and think, observe the paradox, OP, I for intuition, T for transform. On top of this vortex of ideas, between the paradox and your ricochet, you transform yourself. Now at this point, you don't have to do anything. You've already changed the whole dynamic because you changed yourself. Mm. But you may even decide now at this point, I'm going to go ahead and do the impulsive route and watch it consciously and see where it goes so I can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Or I could do the paradox, or I've got this whole dynamic underneath me of all these other ideas which I can keep adding to. Mm-hmm. This is like the creative process. You're becoming a creator instead of a ricocheter. Right. A horse-trained, non-thinking prey animal. Yeah. Trying to make more prey animals like yourself. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a command. Just to say, stop it. <laughs> cool. Thank you for sharing. That's a good takeaway. Cool. Well, Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Maybe we'll have more information from you at some point. We'll see what happens. Um, And just to finish up on that, so this journey I've been on, it looked like it wasn't to publish. mm -hmm. And it was to get to that point where I could live without fear, without judgment, without negativity or belief in tragedy and start to dabble in this as an unfolding work in progress living in the, in the, in the oneness, mm-hmm. in, the, in the self-realization, which once you move into that class, I mean, doesn't mean like, oh, you just made it. Like there's some sort of... Yeah. It, now you're just moving in. It's just, you could see it as graduate work. You could see it as first grade. You were in kindergarten the whole time, and now you're in first grade. Yeah, right. It's not like, 
oh, now you know everything, or you don't. But you can be there and not have the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And if the roller coaster tries to enter your life, aha, you catch it real quick. Yeah, yeah, ah, exactly. A test. Yeah. And I, and if I if I flunk a test in the class I'm in, it'll actually put me back in the previous class, and I got to kind of repeat some of these things. Mm -hmm. But I can very quickly get back up to that yeah. class, and then often I'll leapfrog to the next one. When I when I drop down, I can actually almost jump a class. It seems mm -hmm. like because that this is how it seems to work. Yeah. Yeah, when I become more aware of the of something that I'm being triggered by, I have this awareness that's like I'm onto this situation, and so how do I respond rather than react? And I find that I'm able to cycle through these lessons much more quickly. And so what seems to happen, like in my early life, I'm just stuck in the same class, same lessons over and yeah. over, and I'm thinking it's all somebody else's fault, not mine. Right. And I don't see these as master teachers. I don't see these as opportunities. I don't see them as tests. I didn't. And then it sort of built up to like that story with the kid with the knife coming after me. Mm -hmm. I had worked out some things by that point. And, and that was a real test to hand that knife back to him mm -hmm. and trust my own process. I think this is the way to, because this is a bad situation. Yeah. He's trying to, he's trying to hurt his mom bad with all the, and now he's got a knife coming after me and what's going to happen next, blah, blah, blah. How do we, and so, you know, I'm, I'm sure I wasn't alone there, but I'm trying to pass the test of him, mm -hmm. the situation, and not add to it. And then so you have these, so as things move on, especially I get into the mules, and so things start making more and more sense, and then the classes go quicker. And then these last, um, this last decade, uh, from being a place where classes moved, there's very little progress. You stuck in a class for a long time. Yeah. Now the classes seem to like the the curriculum is, is pretty short on each one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not a big long burden like it seemed to be before. Yeah, exactly. But it might have been that way all along. They were always pretty simple. Yeah, it's the awareness. It's right, but we we see it as tragedy. Tedious. Yeah. And we're so influenced by other people's opinions, except yeah, the exactly. horse training. It looks like it's a horrible, big, terrible class. And so we're stuck, stuck, stuck. Yeah. But it might not be that way. Maybe each class is really not that hard once we have a certain perspective. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's all I got. Cool. Well, thank you for <laughs> joining us on today's episode. And uh, that's it. All I'll, right. We'll sign out. This concludes part two of my interview with David Sleeper. If you're new to A Thousand Serious Moves, or if you're old to A Thousand Serious Moves, welcome. Subscribe and share with your friends. I will be releasing parts three and four of this interview next week. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out my Etsy shop at etsy.com shop slash henael777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. Listeners to A Thousand Serious Moves will receive 15% off their purchase for the month of August 2021 with the promo code ATSM15. That's ATSM15. If you would like to become a patron to this podcast, check out patreon.com slash ATSM. And I will catch y'all next week. Love y'all. Bye-bye.